Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, I want to talk to you about how puberty impacts anxiety and OCD and some things to just look out for and to know as your child moves into puberty. And I do feel like puberty is happening sooner than later in our kids, a lot sooner than I feel like it was when I was growing up. And I know my soon-to-be 11-year-old feels very hormonal already. And I feel like sometimes you can start seeing this even at 10, so early. But before we get started and talk about all what we should do with all that, I want to thank NoCD for sponsoring this episode. NoCD offers affordable, effective, convenient therapy. They're available in the U.S. and outside of the U.S. And you can schedule your free 15-minute consultation to see if NoCD is the right fit for you and your child. Just go to treatmyocd.com. That's treatmyocd.com. I also want to mention that my new course, Crushing OCD Class for Kids and Teens, is now finally out. And so if you've been waiting to take that online on-demand course for your kids, it's for kids and teens. You can go to atparentingsurvivalschool.com and you can learn more about that there. So let's talk about puberty. I feel like that's a four-letter word, but it's actually a six-letter word. No, it's a seven-letter word, <laughs> but it's a bad word. And it doesn't have to be. I have. I actually am going to end on positive, so it's not all bad because I always like to see a little bit of rainbows and butterflies in anything we're going to talk about. So I'm going to talk about a little bit of the good parts at the end, so stick with me for that. But, And I'm going to be a little all over the place because this impacts kids for all sorts of different reasons. And I just want to talk about some of them. So the first one, the most obvious one, the one that you're probably thinking of is just the hormonal shifts. And that doesn't necessarily mean there's not a direct correlation between my anxiety and OCD and now I'm hitting puberty. And so it will absolutely definitely get worse. There's not a direct linear correlation. It can impact your child's anxiety or OCD. There has been some research to show that hormones can impact OCD. I saw that at the OCD conference, but it wasn't published research. And so I don't know about that, but it makes sense, right? That a hormonal shift of any sort can increase anxiety or OCD. There's that postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, postpartum OCD. And so there's a lot of hormones going on during that period as well. I know I struggled really badly with postpartum anxiety And it really triggered my anxiety after my first child, not so much the second and third. It was really weird. So there is that possibility. Although I don't think you need to like brace yourself and think it's all going to be doom and gloom. It just can increase. And I think sometimes we're always looking for the why, like, oh my gosh, why is the OCD back? Or things are really good, but then they're going to hit, you know, puberty and everything's going to go crazy again. No, not necessarily. Sometimes they actually improve. And we'll talk about that at the end, that a lot of times kids will evolve and puberty can be a positive thing. And I want to end with the positive. So we'll get there. So the hormonal shifts, yes, they can impact. Will they definitely? No, there's not a definite linear correlation, but can they? Yeah. It also makes it harder to tell what is anxiety and OCD and what is just hormones because 
the mood shifts are pretty, pretty rough. (laughs) I don't know. I'm so nervous for like 12 and 13 because my 10 year old, she's going to be 11 next month. So I'm going to practically call her 11. She's so moody and it definitely has happened in the last year. And we've had a lot going on. You know, she lost her dad. I lost my husband. So maybe that's part of it. But I also feel like it's just that walking on eggshells kind of moodiness, you know, where like all of a sudden they're like not even recognizable. You're like, oh my gosh, what is wrong? And she's also tearful more. So we're definitely in the throes. I feel like like pre-puberty hormonal shifts going on. So there's that. I don't want to spend too much time on that because there's not much we can do about it. It's good to know though. But there's also other things that can happen that happen developmentally when our kids go through puberty. And that is there's like this this ownership of their life, which can be good and can be bad. And so there's this, like, they're driving their own ship. And so their peer group often is more important or more valued than what we can say to them. They want to express themselves. They want to be independent. A lot of them, not all of them. They don't want to be told what to do. They dig their heels in more. Uh, That's developmentally appropriate. And so when you add that to the mix with anxiety or OCD, you might start to see a little bit more resistance to doing exposures or challenges or going to therapy, things that you thought were easy before. All of a sudden you could be like, what's going on here? Like normally we can talk really easily about your anxiety and OCD, or normally you don't give me pushback to do exposures or to go to therapy, whatever it is for you. And then all of a sudden you're like, I'm hitting up against a wall. It might just be puberty. It may not be because I think sometimes we are looking for the reason like, what's happened to them, or maybe it's this therapist, or maybe there's something wrong with our relationship. And a lot of times it's like, no, you know, they're just going through puberty and you just need to buckle up and brace yourself (laughs) because it's part of what's developmentally typical is that they're supposed to feel more empowered. They're supposed to have more agency for their own voice and how they want to do things. But that can make it really tricky because you really have to do a hard shift in supporting and fostering their journey and meeting them where they're at. And that's even more important through puberty than any other age because they're they're going through a stage where it is normal and healthy for them to feel like, you don't tell me what to do. Like, I'm going to do this because I want to do it. Like, that's, that is a developmental stage that is that everybody goes through or most kids go through. Some other issues that might pop up that I want to mention is if you are dealing with OCD, as your child develops and they have more sexual knowledge, they have more experience and interaction with things that are more adultish, their OCD will come up with more taboo themes and thoughts. And so it's very, very common for kids who are about to go into puberty or are in puberty to have intrusive thoughts that are sexual in nature or that are about their identity, about their sexual identity, about, and that is not always OCD. So we don't want to always label things like that OCD because it's not always, but they can have very taboo thoughts about having, you know, sexual interactions inappropriately with things that they wouldn't want to have sexual interactions with. And They can have contamination issues around bodily fluids like semen or vaginal fluid, and nobody wants to talk about that. That's embarrassing. 
And so you might have a child that was very vocal about finding their core fear or their core discomfort or talking about all their things in therapy. And all of a sudden, they can't tell you why they don't want to touch the doorknob or they can't tell you why they think they're a bad person or why they think something's contaminated or why they're not making eye contact with anyone because they're afraid they're going to be looking at private parts or something because they're embarrassed. And so that's why it's kind of important for us to normalize even those taboo themes with OCD so that our kids know that that is something that could pop up. So that's something to look for because I feel like as they get older, they're exposed to more things and they also are developing sexually. And so they are, their body is changing and that OCD loves to glum on to anything. And this is a great thing to glum onto because it can easily come with a lot of shame and guilt, unfortunately. And so we have to watch out for that. Another one that we have to, and these are all, I'm sorry, like not positive. I will get to the positive ones in the end. But another one is that it can be very uh, stigmatizing. And so as kids get older, they're on social media more. So they have a better understanding of the misinformation that's out there. And so they are more likely to be sensitive to seeing like OCD memes or, and I feel like this is more OCD than anxiety, but there's just a lot of unnecessary stigma that as your kids get older, they might start to be more exposed to. And so we have to do our part. And I'll go into a little bit about what we should do at the end of this. Another one is separation anxiety. Ironically, clinical separation anxiety onset is typically 12 to 14 years old. And that surprises a lot of people because they don't realize that we think of separation anxiety and we think of toddlers. And when we're talking about clinical separation anxiety, where it's a disorder, onset is normally much later, middle school, 12 to 14. A lot of times those kids might have other issues that like to piggyback on clinical separation anxiety, including panic disorder and metaphobia, the fear of throwing up. Those are two very, very common ones because they start to depend on the parent to keep them safe or to keep them not panicky. And so the secondary clinical presentation that happens often is separation anxiety. And so that I see through puberty as well, becoming, you know, like a new thing where you're like, what is going on here? There's also social anxiety. And so, you know, when our kids are ripe for different themes around anxiety or OCD, puberty will bring a lot of these type of themes. They'll bring more of the taboo OCD themes. They'll also bring a lot of social anxiety because social anxiety is not about how I interact with another person. It's always misunderstood. It's about the fear of being perceived with judgment or receiving criticism. It's the fear of rejection. So social anxiety isn't about how outgoing I am or how not outgoing I am or how people will sometimes say to me, I can't believe you have social anxiety because you're so articulate. I'm like, uh, okay, (laughs) you need to research social anxiety. One has nothing to do with the other. I mean, you might stumble and not be articulate if you're overly anxious, but that's not what social anxiety is. Or people will say, you're so comfortable socially, or you seem so good interacting. I, I can't believe you have social anxiety. And it's like, all right, you're not getting it, but this isn't about social anxiety. So I will remove myself from my social anxiety soap box, but it is good to know that it is that fear of judgment and criticism. And that's a normal developmental stage through puberty is to be, you know, they're like kind of self-consumed. I mean, I, I see my, my oldest, you know, and she's still doing this, but, you know, stares at her reflection more than anything else, you know, and has this look when she's staring. I mean, like they're, they're, they're very focused on self and it's, 
developmentally appropriate. You know, they're not narcissistic or self-absorbed. It's like, that's what they do at that age. They worry about how everyone perceives them and they worry about what they look like and how they're coming off to others. And some worry less than others. But if I've got anxiety in my back pocket and that's my genetic jam, you know, is anxiety, it's going to love that topic and it can make it much bigger than what is developmentally appropriate to the point where it could it could paralyze me and make me overwhelmed with worrying about what people think and judgment and maybe doing a lot of avoiding because of it. So social anxiety really can peak around puberty. There's also perfectionism that we see, and that again goes into they're more exposed to social media and they're more exposed to their peers and wanting peer approval. So that perfectionism can can start to really become another issue. And the last one I just want to mention, and these are just all things to just be aware of during puberty. I'd rather be in the know of what to keep an eye on for than to be oblivious and just stay in my bubble of like what my child is currently having. It doesn't mean that you should stress about this stuff because <laughs> I can see you out there right there. Like, oh my gosh, puberty is going to be a nightmare. Let me take notes. Let me write all this stuff down. Don't worry about it. How's it going today? Is it going okay today? You know, <laughs> it's fine. But it's also good to know these things without getting overwhelmed. It's good to know these things and be like, these are some things that can pop up. And I, now I know that it could be related to puberty or I know what to look for. It's good. The last one is body dysmorphic disorder. And so BDD likes to hang out with anxiety or OCD. And that is just when you you have this view of a body part that is your perception of your body part is just not accurate. And I'm not going to go big into that. I'm not a BDD specialist, but it does like to hang out with anxiety and OCD. And it is something to be aware of because when you're going through puberty, that's the time where you really become hyper-focused often on the way you look. And so it can show up at that time. Okay. When we get back from a break, I want to talk about some of the positives of puberty because there are some, and don't skip this because it's always good to end on a positive note. We'll be right back. It's time we put help directly in our kids' hands. Introducing Crushing OCD Course for Kids and Teens. It was way more helpful than all the other therapy we've ever done because we didn't really know what to do, so we weren't really doing it before. So the course helped to figure out what the exposures are and how to do them. We're not in therapy and find it really hard um, to find an ERP-trained therapist here. Um, so we're currently with like the public health service, but again, they don't seem to be trained in ERP. It's filled that gap that we don't have that was desperately needed. This was really well-timed for us to use between therapists and to help us like start get off to a good start with this new practice. It was easy to use. Um, I was able to do it from my phone or also on the computer. There's different ages, you know, so there were younger kids, there were teenagers, and um, so that was really nice too, to have a variety of ages where it wasn't just geared towards younger kids or older kids, it was a nice variety. It's helpful for our kids to hear it from this like third party as opposed to just us saying it. I really like the offense and defense method. I love working on poking at OCD while it's sleeping. It makes it a little bit easier to do and it's kind of fun. <laughs> I'm planning on using it to work on my uh, fear of like holding or touching batteries and stuff like that. So it was really helpful and I think a lot of other kids would like it. I thought that I was like the only one who had worrying about the weather and stuff. And then there was somebody else on there who worried about the same thing, which was really helpful. 
seems less scary to work on stuff now that I've watched this class and I'm more interested to work on it. I like trying to do more exposures still and going to, before I wasn't, I just didn't want to do them. I've worked on some of my bigger compulsions and been successful. I realized it was helpful to do like the exposures before it was like really, really hard. It's still hard, but it's helpful to know that I need to do them. Before there would be a lot of battles about it. So it is definitely less loggerheads. Really, really good course and super helpful. I definitely would recommend this. It's really easy to follow. It's in nice bite-sized videos. I really like the worksheets that go along with it, and I think it's really helpful. To learn more about this course and register your child or teen, go to atparentingsurvivalschool.com. Welcome back. So let's talk about some of the positives around puberty, because there are some, believe it or not. So the first one is that Generally, they are they're definitely more intelligent. <laughs> and so they have the capacity to understand what you've been trying to teach them or what the therapist has been trying to teach them about anxiety or OCD. So they can get this on a much more cerebral level, which can be helpful because the more kids understand why, why we're doing exposures or why we're doing challenges or why your brain is telling you that you have this intrusive thought or feeling or why you're so anxious about this and you understand the the physical aspects of it and why you're why you're needing to respond in a certain way you do better because you're more motivated and so just the the fact that they're more intelligent when they're getting older is a good thing the next one is that independence is not always a bad thing independence in the right way is a beautiful thing it's what we want and It's what I teach in the AT parenting community. And it's what I teach in my classes is our job is in the passenger seat. And I say this ad nauseum. So I'm sure that you've heard me say that a million times if you listen to my episodes, but we're in the passenger seat and they're in the driver's seat. And when they're little, that's hard because they can't reach the pedal. They can't hold the steering wheel. They can barely see where they're driving. And so we have to lean over a little bit more and drive for them. But when they hit puberty, They are old enough, scary, but old enough to drive, maybe not literally, but they're ready. You know, they are at that developmental stage where they can be independent in a perfect world. And I know I say that a lot in a perfect world because the world's not perfect. And so I don't want people to, I can, I feel like when I'm doing my podcast, I can always hear like that negative person in my head being like, not my child. Mm -mm." (laughs) And so I'm always like in a perfect world. I always have to like you know, soften what I'm saying with something to, to, to speak directly to that person. You know who you are, who's sitting in their car or listening while watching the dishes going, nope, not my child. Nope. Nope. Right. It's for you. So, but they can be independent and maybe your kid isn't, but they can be. And so being able to foster that with OCD and anxiety is huge because I'm not going to curate exactly what you need to be doing, when you should be doing it, how you should be doing it. I want to pull back once you're in puberty. I want to pull back and I want to foster your independence. And I want to say, what do you want to do next? Or what would be a good exposure? Or you can avoid this or, and you're going to grow your OCD or anxiety better, bigger, or you can do this. Like I want to present choices and I want to foster independence. And I do have whole podcast episodes on how to foster independence. So I'm not going to go into it here. If you ever 
want a particular topic. And I say this a lot because I don't always like to link podcast episodes because I'm I'm a bit lazy. But if you go to my website at atparentingsurvival.com, scroll to the bottom, there's a search button. Literally type in anything that's related. If you type in independence, independent, resources will pop up. I've done a podcast on literally everything. It's very hard to come up with new topics nowadays. And so any topic, you'll find it there. So just so that you know that you can do that. I am really liking this aspect of my kids entering puberty because I feel good about pulling back because they're not five. And so it has its benefits where like this year I was like, why am I still making your lunch and filling your water bottles? Like this shouldn't be happening when you are 11 and 13. And so I had done stuff like that in the past because mornings were so stressful and, you know, a lot of anticipatory anxiety and school, school anxiety. And so if I could take something off their plate, I would, but for my kids this year, going to school in and of itself is not their stress point. And so I need to pivot with them and I need to say, you can do this. I believe in you. And it's great. I wake up in the morning and I mean, I have to nag my son because he is 13. He's about to be 13 this week and he's like so tired. And I guess that comes with puberty too. I thought it was his medication, but he's not on that medication anymore. And he's still like, cannot get up. And it's just like, welcome to 13, you know? And he gets really angry at himself. Like, I can't get up. I really want to. And I feel like such a bad person. We're dealing with moral OCD right now. That's something new that popped up too since puberty. I'm sure there's probably thoughts in there that he doesn't want to share with me, but so it's hard to get him up. So I am like, hello, are you getting up? Are you getting up? But I'm sitting in my chair, drinking my coffee. I'm not making my daughter's like running around, getting her water bottle and her lunch. And it's a beautiful thing. It's beautiful. But also I'm able to motivate them as far as doing their exposures. And I'll say, you know, do you want to do exposures today? Or do you think you should be doing exposures? What exposure should we be doing? And I'm finding my son is being, he's much more independent these days. He'll come and he'll tell me. Um, he's doing a lot of what I call defense. I talk about offense and defense in my uh, crushing OCD class for kids and teens. And he's doing a lot of defense, which means like he's responding to his OCD. He's not, he's not knocking on OCD's door, which I want him to do more, but he's responding. And he'll tell me, he'll say, you know, mom, OCD wanted me to spit that out. It was really chewy, but I didn't spit it out and I ate it anyway. He's doing a lot of um, a lot of good defense and that's independent. And he's not wanting anything for it. He's not wanting points for it. Like we have been doing bravery points for years and he is now at that. St- I still give it to him. Not when he just randomly tells me like that he did a defense move, but in general, if I want him to do something like we, we were working on a social anxiety and my daughter had a friend over and he was hiding in my home office. And I said, just, you need to go out there. And he's like, no, I'm not going to leave the office until she's gone. I'm like, that could be hours. And then I said, do you want to earn five points? Go out there. And he was like, I don't want to earn any points, but can I have like an extra 30 minutes on VR tonight? And I, that was great. Right. Cause that's a currency I hadn't thought about. And I was okay with that. He's getting older. And so I said, okay, you can, um, but you have to go out there. And he did. Not only did he go out there, then I heard him playing with them which was not something I had asked him to do. But that's kind of what happens with our kids is when when they agree to do something and they're independent with it, a lot of times all they need is that push and then they will go further with that sometimes. And that's a beautiful thing too. And so that has helped. And I also feel like there's more motivation because there's more intrinsic motivation when they hit puberty because there's things that are embarrassing 
that are holding them back. And so that can be a positive in the sense that we can have kids who want to go and hang out with their friends. They want to sleep over, but their OCD won't let them, or they want to go to a party, or they want to talk to a girl, or they want to talk to a boy, or they have to present more in school and they don't like the feel of it, you know, feeling anxious, or they want to touch their Xbox or their computer or their phone, but OCD is bothering them for that. Or they're like in the bathroom for a really long time. And that's a problem when they're hanging out with their friends and they're in a social scene. So the issues with anxiety and OCD start to impact their life more. When they're five and six, it impacts their life, but a lot of times it impacts our life a lot more and there's not a lot of insight. And so as they get older, the silver lining to puberty, because there are some silver linings, is there can be more insight. They have the capability of having more insight. There's more independence and there can be over time, more motivation. And those are all really, really good things. So that's puberty. I hope that you guys are not going through it the way that we are. Ironically, my son's 13. I'm not really feeling like much difference with him as far as like, you know, the rough stuff versus my soon to be 11 year old. But on the flip side, she is so funny and she's so bright and she's so cool to hang out with as long as she's not biting my head off. And that you know, that hormonal, like biting my head off is, is not so frequent that it's not fun to hang out with her. And so we do always want to look at the glass is half, half full instead of half empty. And we want to look at, you know, what are the good things that are coming with puberty? (laughs) You're like, really? Yeah. You want to look at the good things of everything. If you're having a problem, can you flip it? And can you perceive it as some sort of benefit? Because how we perceive things is how things are. And that sets the stage for our mood and how we're going to approach things. And so mindset is a really, really big deal. It's also okay to sit with your bad feelings because I think sometimes being over positive can be toxic as well, because then we feel bad for having bad feelings. And that is the other edge of that sword. And you shouldn't have to feel bad for having bad feelings, but we also don't want to grow them and hold on to them forever without kind of clawing our way out of that hole. So I hope that you are finding this podcast episode helpful. If you are, don't forget to hit a star. I really appreciate that and write a review. If I get a new review, I'm batching these. So this is actually my second podcast. So I don't think I have any new reviews to read, but if I do get them, I will read yours next time. And don't forget to find the sparkle in everything you do. And I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com.